Witness history at Roland Garros, where old rivalries meet new talent on the clay battleground. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled access as the world's top players in tennis face off to see if the veterans maintain their dominance or if a fresh face rises to challenge them. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Saturday, August 29th. You know, the tennis world never ceases to amaze me, and I will forever be enchanted by it. I just love the game. I love seeing these top players compete. I love the way these athletes, it can just the sport can be so empowering, and we've seen so many athletes use their platform to do so much good throughout the history of tennis, dating back Billie Jean King, Arthur Ashe, of course, now players like Naomi Osaka, Coco Gauff, picking up the mantle from Serena and Venus, and you know, you can just go on and on and on, and all of us still trying to process the Western Southern Open's decision to cancel play on Thursday, stand in solidarity with Naomi Osaka and the Black Lives Matter movement. What does that moment mean for tennis moving forward? Is it an inflection point? And of course, on top of that, you have, uh, you know, the first tennis on the ATP Tour in five and a half months and, you know, the first major event for the women in five and a half months in the Western and Southern Open. We're all trying to watch that, all trying to process that data to start preparing for the year's second Grand Slam, the U.S. Open, which begins on Monday. All of that is to say there's a lot going on right now in the tennis world. And, of course, you know, what do we need? What exactly were we looking for as fans? Another story. And that's what we got on Thursday as Ben Rothenberg, Christopher Clary of the New York Times reporting, Novak Djokovic, Vashik Pospisil, John Isner all resigning their seats from the ATP Player Council to form a brand new professional tennis players association, you know, that in theory an ATP player union and based off the initial report from Ben, that union will represent the top 500 singles players, top 200 doubles players in the men's game. No mention of women in that initial PTPA announcement. And for all of us, what does that mean? We've heard talks about unionizing. They've been so prevalent, particularly during these five and a half months, as so many players wonder, how are they going to make a living when there's no tennis, particularly at the 125K, 100K, 75, 50K level, where the prize money is already not that great, but now they haven't had money-earning opportunities in so long. All of these issues so prevalent right now in professional tennis, and now they're at the forefront once again. Novak Djokovic, Vashik Pospisil, you know, John Isner spearheading this decision, and, you know, I am so happy to be joined by New York Times reporter, No Challenges Remaining podcast host, author of this story, returning champion here at Cracked Rackets, Ben Rothenberg, on today's mini-break to talk about this uh, announcement, to talk 
about you know this decision from Djokovic Pospisil, the implications, what led to this decision, what is going on in this moment. Is it truly an inflection point in tennis's history? And of course, I know all of us so eager for that U.S. Open. We of course are going to talk about uh, what is you know what happened at the Western and Southern Open, how we can take away from what happened in the finals, how we can prepare the semifinals as well. I will say I'm going to ask for a little patience from you listeners. We're going to cover that tomorrow with Jamie McDonald, talk about the Western Southern Open tennis we saw this weekend, preview Monday's slate of matches. Of course, if you are looking for U.S. Open preview content, we've done five GSPs, one of them with Ben Rothenberg, the most interesting women uh, in New York, the dark horses, the contenders. We also did the dark horses and contenders on the men's side, Mark Lucero, Nina Pantic, J.C. Aragonian, Luke Jensen joining me for those podcasts. Of course, Jamie and I have broken down all of the action here on the Mini Break podcast each and every day. But the topic on all of our minds right now is, I mean, not all of our minds, but it's if you are engaged in tennis Twitter, if you are, you know, this is the story in tennis. I know the tennis is obviously important, and I think we are still covering that here at Cracked Rackets. I think we can do two things at once, and I know all of you Cracked fans can hold two conversations in your head at once as well. So again, we're going to take a pause on talking the tennis on today's mini break. We're going to bring Ben Rothenberg on, talk about the PTPA, talk about this monumental moment in tennis history. Of course, the reason we are able to do that here every day at the mini break, the reason we are able to respond to these stories in the moment is because of the support we get from our sponsors at Midwest Sports and Aerobar. And I say it all the time, to play well on the tennis court, you got to look good and you got to feel good. And that's where our friends at Midwest Sports and Aerobar come in. Midwest Sports has been serving tennis players around the globe as one of the world's premier tennis equipment suppliers for more than 30 years because they offer a comprehensive selection of fast shipping tennis supplies that few retailers can match. You name it. Shirts, socks, shoes, shorts, rackets, strings, grips, grommets, uh, shock absorbers even. They've got it all. And maybe you don't know exactly what you need right now. Maybe it's been a while since you've been on the court. Maybe you just haven't updated rackets. You're still locked in on your K-Factor frame. You just are like, oh, 2004 to 2006 Federer? That's me. Or maybe you're a guy who's like, I just, I really love the anti-rotic Babylon, and I don't think it got any better than that. You're just wrong. It did, folks. You should be updating your gear, and to help you figure out what works best for you, are the staff at Midwest Sports intimately familiar with all of their equipment and can help you find that perfect racket, perfect shoe, or perfect tennis clothing. That is sure to put you ahead of the competition. Their selections of equipment, consistently first to market, and they pride themselves in stocking their warehouse with the newest products at the lowest prices. To find all of these products, all of these prices, just go to MidwestSports.com. Use our promo code CR15. You'll get 15% off your order. Free two-day shipping on all orders exceeding $75. And best of all, a free can of Wilson. Extra duty tennis balls. Midwest Sports wanting to ensure you have everything you need to make your return to the court a successful one. So go to MidwestSports.com. Use that promo code CR15. And again, now you're going to look good. How do you feel good? By treating your nutrition and fitness with the respect they deserve. Aerobar, they've got you covered on the nutrition side. They are going to give you the only tennis-specific energy bar in the business. No nonsense ingredients. More potassium than a banana. Delicious cinnamon, honey, oat, and chocolate chip flavors. And best of all, if you use our promo code CRACK15, you'll get 15% off your order. Now, I will also say, hopefully all of you have been enjoying our Getting to the Point podcast episodes with our friends at Aerobar. 
Eurobar. So many great guests. Jay Berger, Brenda Schultz-McCarthy this week, Michael Russell, Bjorn Fertangelo, Trip Phillips. I could go on and on and on. The point is we are so appreciative for uh, their support of us here at Cracked Rackets. The way you can all support them, going to aerobar.com, getting yourself some bars, using our promo code CRACKED15 to let them know that we sent you there. But, okay, with all of that in mind, you want to know what is this PTPA? What is going on right now in terms of unions and the ATP tour? There's one man who is as plugged in as anyone on the story. He joins us on the podcast now. So, without further ado, let's get to my conversation with the one and only Ben Rothenberg. Witness history at Roland Garros, where old rivalries meet new talent on the clay battleground. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled access as the world's top players in tennis face off to see if the veterans maintain their dominance or if a fresh face rises to challenge them. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Joining us on the podcast, once again, you know his work, of course, from the New York Times, the host of the No Challenges Remaining podcast, and the man who broke the story on this Djokovic-Pospisil-Isner decision to leave the Player Council, form this brand new PTPA, Ben Rothenberg. Welcome back to the show. Thank you for taking your time. I know how busy you are today to chat with us. How are you doing? I'm doing well, PTPA. Yeah, I'm trying. I, I want to have it pronounced a little bit more fun. I want to be like, or something but we'll see how that how that evolves it's as, fun as to stay at the ptp oh that's nice um, no yeah it's a work it's a working title though obviously and look on a normal time you could have come on here gloated about your most interesting players gloated about the milos raonic theory coming in closer and closer to existence but mm-hmm. let's get straight to it because obviously all of us halted we're still wondering what's the implication going to be of thursday's decision the western southern open standing in solidarity with naomi osaka you know canceling events is this going to be an inflection in point in play, player empowerment within tennis and now we see Novak Djokovic Vashik Pospisil again those are really the two catalysts breaking away resigning from the player council officially forming this PTPA or unofficially I suppose what's the catalyst to all of this Ben and I know that's a tricky question but what got us to this point today what got us to this point today, I think, has been long brewing. I think this has been something that has been a big initiative of the sort of Djokovic block of the uh, ATP governance structure since he's been on the Player Council uh, recently. He's been very pro-union. This involves other people. Vashik Pospisil, obviously, is very much at the forefront of this movement, too. Uh, Justin Gimmelstab previously was somebody who was sort of agitating a bit more for this uh, when he was involved in ATP politics, and he doesn't seem to be officially at least involved anymore now. This is, you know, it's been a debate for 30 years ever since the formation of the ATP Tour, which was a combined governance structure between the players and tournaments where there was both having seats at the board table, basically, and making decisions together. The players felt like that wasn't enough, that they, that the ATP deal was leaving them still a little bit shortchanged. Sometimes their board representatives weren't always taking as militantly a pro-player side as they wanted them to. They've ousted a couple of board reps because of that uh, in recent years, including Roger Rashid. Notably, so this is them stepping it up and really saying we don't feel like we can work within the system. We're going to work without outside the system and really 
that's a big existential threat to the sort of structure of the ATP tour. This is all kind of backroom sort of stuff, but I think people can appreciate the, that the, the tour is, you know, ATP tour is a body for tournaments and players together. And the the players now, at least a lot of them are stepping up and saying, Hey, we need our own dedicated outside voice. And we do not feel like we're getting that in the current structure. So we are setting up our own new thing. It's a, it's another addition to the tenant tennis alphabet soup, uh, another, it's another another thing to grapple with, um, and so yeah, we'll, we'll see how it we'll, how it's received. It's been mixed for yeah, sure. No, yeah, we'll have to throw it on the list. And of course, I have a bunch of follow ups. What this PTPA is actually going to be, what it's going to look like, who it will include. But to get back to the catalyst of this moment, because you're right, it has been a slow burn. It has built up to this moment. We've talked about it so much over these past five and a half months. It was six lifetimes ago, 30 million news cycles ago. But we all remember when Roger Federer tweeted out player union between the ATP and WTA. And obviously, uh, that does, again, feel like a lifetime ago. But a sneaky catalyst, I think, in all this, and I'm just curious your opinion because, I, again, you broke the story here. Uh, it got swept under the rug because of the Western Southern Open fans so excited about having tennis back. Then, obviously, on Thursday, we all wanted to discuss the courage, the leadership shown by Naomi Osaka. But there was a lot of agitation early in the week about the U.S. Open, USTA's decision to say, hey, Guido Pea, your trainer, uh, tested positive for COVID. You've been exposed to him. Therefore, mm-hmm. we're not going to let you play this Western Southern Open. It turns out that positive test was a false positive. There was an immediate uh, backlash, but it kind of got – or it, was it a false positive? So, we don't again, know that. We do not know that. We do not know that. We, I mean, he, all we know is he tested positive ones and tested negative ones. It also, the way COVID works, you could test positive and then – get rid of your covid yeah. through natural processes so no i don't buy the false the false positive declaration that's being touted around i'm just put that out there well, well i appreciate you adding that insight as well because certainly it was clear the players got agitated and you saw multiple players speak sure. out you know publicly in defense of paya wanting him included in the draw do you think that was a partial catalyst in this announcement this decision being made now no i think the way, with all the sort of back round work they clearly have done i don't think this really i think this was always going to happen this week it might have given it more mm-hmm. energy um but i think this was always something that was being planned for the eve of the u.s open people who know their atp history will know that like there was a famous parking lot press conference remember that happened when the atp tour was formed 30 years ago so the u.s open has been sort of a, a previous site of player rallying and you know it's the last big tennis moment of the year so if you want to do something this is sort of your last chance to do it in the calendar year 2020 in a general year, obviously French open being after us open this year is different. Um, yeah. I do think that there are definitely some moments that I think the Pella and Delian situation, I think probably did uh, add some ammunition for the, the pro union guys. I think that um, Djokovic said in his letter to their players, he wasn't happy about how things went down uh, with the stoppage on Thursday. He was not happy. He wasn't consulted. I mean, so many players again, make this so much about themselves and their own personal grievances, which is just a tennis player natural thing to do. Um, you know, I, I do think there are legitimate uh, discipline, if you want to put Deli in and Pella in that category, discipline sort of things that have happened that the players have been really underrepresented for. I mean, the one that I, the struck out to me the most was the um, Bernard Tomic thing at last mm-hmm. year's Wimbledon, uh, when mm-hmm. he got all his prize money taken away for supposed lack of effort, even though he got no lack of effort warnings during the match. And after the match, they said, hey, we didn't like how that match went, so we're taking away all your money. I thought that was nuts. And he had no one really, no body really sticking up for him. He would have sort of had to have had hired his own law firm 
So like I I do send I do I can absolutely point to examples where players are left on their own in a way that a traditional sport or the traditional players association wouldn't have. Um, that's the one. That's the moment I think where I've been most sort of sympathetic to this idea that they need an outside voice to be there as sort of an all player advocate, which is one of the things this group would do. Um, mm -hmm. But there's a lot, you know. I, but I also think that a lot of it had to do with um, agitation over the and I've heard. Vashik pushed back on this yesterday, but I do think that a lot of male players were not happy about the way that the talks sort of started bubbling up about the possibility of combining forces with the women uh, this year, and, and they felt like they were being left out of that conversation and didn't want that, and uh, I think that probably energized things too, but it, it's, it's been building for a, a while, and it's it's weird. A lot of weird things are about it. I just got out of Andy Murray's press conference, and he was saying one of the things he thinks is that like the new leadership of the tour uh, who's only been in place since January, and really almost none of the tours actually been happening this year. So it's like probably even less than eight months to really get some credit for. Um, the new guys in charge, Andrea Gudenzi and think people like them, uh, should be given more time to prove themselves before blowing this whole thing up, which I'm sympathetic to. Because, I mean, Djokovic, you know, definitely uh, pushed for the ouster of Chris Kermode, the previous CEO, and now he seems to be not giving the new guy much chance to do much, much different. So. Yeah, and you sort of referred to this earlier, and again, I, I know you're on the run here. It's U.S. Open press day, and so I will try and keep my questions concise. You sort of mentioned the Djokovic block, that Djokovic, Pospisil, I guess you want to throw Isner in there. Yeah. That's fine, but, the, you know, that's—and to call—I I hate even using his name at this point, but the Gimmelstab guys, that yeah. was the Gimmelstab crew, right? It's safe to say that was that cadre of support. Uh, you've seen that divide already emerge publicly, this letter that was signed by Roger Federer, Rafael Nadal, uh, Kevin Anderson, I think, uh, you know, others as well, the, the members of the ATP Player Council who didn't sign. And then, of course, for the first time in history, you had Wimbledon, the French Open, the U.S. Open, the ATP, the WTA, all coordinated within, you know, or not the WTA, excuse me, but all coordinated within, you know, 15 seconds of, yeah, we're going to have a unified statement. Oh, WTA was part of that. WTA was, was oh, on board with that. They were. Okay, yeah, yeah I, I didn't want to be, I didn't want to be. And ITF, you know, they're, yeah. Yeah, and they're, they're, they have never coordinated anything that quickly, and they all had their statement ready to go. And so you see these blocks emerge. I've talked to players, but you know a lot of the players I talked to outside the top 100, they were agitating for this. They're happy to see this quick movement, this change. And as you mentioned, some of this certainly is restlessness. After five and a half months of no tennis, these players are just, they want something to change. They're ready yeah. for activism. They're just ready to see, you know, they're just ready to see movement. But to your point there are clearly defining blocks in this right this is not going to yeah. be a unified effort as it never is yeah no murray was definitely not very gung-ho about it he said he i mean he sort of didn't say never but he said definitely not signing this now and he also pointed to the lack of the women being involved which is another thing that was another issue that possibly still have been talking mm -hmm. very eagerly last year about having the women included and having this be i think i mean hell vashik was you know host of a show called tennis united that was all about the tours being together yeah. uh, which and now he's disunifying the tour and leaving out the women so it's quite a, quite a turn in his plot but um uh, on the blocks i'll just one foot on that i will point out that uh sam query was very much part of the gimbal stop block traditionally as of 2019 and he is what's now one of these is not in the uh ptpa block and i think Meltzer mm -hmm. was also considered more, he was a late addition but he was considered generally more sympathetic to that side of things or the anti-Kermode pro Gimmelstab, whatever you want to call it, block of things. So uh, PTPA has less support than Gimmelstab did among the 10 mm -hmm. player council people, which is kind of interesting. Um, but we'll see. It, it, I think there's, I think one of the things that the 
critics of PTPA would say, to be used, and obviously Alex, you worked in politics for a long time, um, <laughs> they would say that these they're, they're dealing with a lot of low information voters, to put it that way. Yeah. I think they're saying that people don't have a full picture, that they're voting based on emotions rather than if these things will actually help them. It's actually almost reminds me more, more than, more than a US politics, it almost reminds me more of Brexit because it's people are like, we want to leave this thing, but they don't really understand, or they don't really, I don't think, I don't think anyone can understand yet what the future would look like. I think Brexit was a huge unknown, right? There was so much that still, I think even still hasn't been totally settled about what Brexit entails. Um, but, uh, but yeah, now, or sorry, what leaving the EU entails, I should say for, for Britain, yeah. but, but it's the same thing, same thing for the men. We, they don't know, um, they shouldn't know. They don't have answers to what life with the PTPA would look like. You know, what if anyone would engage with them? If they actually would be negotiated with, or if the slams and the and the ATP would just ignore them? You know, there they, there's not guaranteed to be a seat at the table. There, there's no guarantee that this move will be respected. Um, and and you know, and if it does go into a full, you know. Uh, hard Brexit or whatever you want to say for the PTPA, if it is a situation where um, where they become more sort of antagonist with the ATP and become mm -hmm. more about um, adversarial sort of bargaining, will that work out better for them or not? We don't know the answer to that either. Um, yeah. So there's a lot, a lot of unknowns and a lot of blowing it all up. And I got to say, like, I, I felt this way very strongly with Kermode last year. Um, I thought Kermode, you can make a very, very good case that Chris Kermode was doing the best job of any of the seven heads of the seven governing bodies in tennis. Like I thought ATP between the very successful next gen launch, you know, generally having good revenues on their tour, still having the stars in play, like despite having a kind of at times, you know, questionable pipeline of talent coming through, I thought the ATP was continuing to soar and climb and, and doing well in a lot of points and they still got rid of them. You know, if I'm the other six guys, and I think they're all men at this point, uh, who were holding those jobs, uh, I'd be like, wow, if Kermode gets ousted, like, how are any of our jobs safe either? Because he's, like, by any metric that he would point to, that most executives would point to, he was doing great. But there is yeah. still this underlying dissatisfaction among players, among Djokovic, uh, and possibly, obviously. And this is a big moment for them to sort of really, uh, you know, uh, play ball or, or at least to, to declare declare war seems dramatic but to declare that they're making a move and so yeah we'll see where it goes i just think there's a lot of there's a lot of vagueness in their proposal and a lot of unknown they don't they do not know what the road ahead looks like that they're charging towards and so if i was a player i'm not i'm not saying it's a bad idea for players but i would also as a player be cautious about this put it that way mm-hmm no, and that's perfect because you segue to our my final question for you. Although I have learned after these three years, never leave a couple good jokes on the table. So I will say quickly, rapid fire of the jokes I thought while you were talking. Yeah. One, I've said this for years. Post Brexit, Murray should get to play for Team World in Labor Cup. Two, uh, because you know they said we're not part of Europe, we're rejecting it, so you don't get to play as part of Team Europe. Your country mm. said you're not. Anyways, mm. I thought that's a great joke. Had to mention it. Part two, not your best. You know, I do think three plus. Yeah, worth it or no? Could I have left it on the board? I, I want to hear the. 
the other two before I judge. Go ahead, keep going. Okay, well, it's not a, it's not the best monologue, but it's it, the second one's not as much a joke as much to say. I don't know if our listeners knew my history with politics. They certainly do now, and to see the the echoes of, as you mentioned, just politics in this, it's always fun to talk tennis politics. You so rarely get to do it. Yeah, there's always going to be the institutionalists and then the people who want to blow it up, and there are people like Federer, Nadal, Murray right now on the ATP who clearly are expressing, no, let's work within the system. As you mentioned, we haven't even given this new administration more time. I hate to use the word administration, but this new group more right time, word. this leadership group, yeah, to to actually enact policies. And, you know, uh, how can we go from two and a half months ago having all of this momentum about merging the ATP and WTA tours to now where we are now? That just happened so quickly. So, you know, yeah, that, that was really uh, the second thing. And then the third thing is just the follow-up question, which is to get to the substance. And I wasn't avoiding this. I was saving this for the end. You mentioned it, what this PTPA looks like. Uh, top 500 singles players, top 200 doubles players, no women as of now. But is there even a coherent set of policies right now? I feel like this is a lot like the RNC. That was that third joke where there's no policy platform. It's just kind of fealty to this group. Uh, I don't think it's – I don't know if the RNC is a fair comparison for this, but I <laughs> – it's not, but the joke was on the table. Right, sure. Okay. So I think you went eh, one for three there generously. But I <laughs> I, I think um, – but look, that's, that's better than you did on your players to watch, so fair enough. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, yeah. So by the way, how great was I with my player to watch, Naomi Osaka? She did there everything. Is. Oh, spectacular pick by me, got to say. Okay. So sorry. Uh, yeah, I just don't think there's – that's one of the same things. It's vague, right? They don't – have answers mm-hmm. they this is i think mm-hmm. the brexit thing again i think is like the best analogy that i've come up with mm-hmm. so far and i just came up with it on your i hadn't thought of it before the show but you just primed my my mind to go in that Beautiful. direction i i think that there <laughs> yeah there is a you know they're t- you're not there they can tell you why you're not happy in the current structure but the offer it's you know brexit got compared a lot during 2016 to get more political than i probably need to to the trump campaign right but at least with the trump campaign you, there was a very tangible outcome of Donald Trump becoming president, right? People understood that that was the consequence, theoretically, of Donald Trump getting votes. Mm-hmm. Uh, with Brexit— you, And if re- you don't want to say consequence, you can say outcome. Anyways, sure. Just outcome. To, yeah, that was the yeah. outcome. Yeah, Whatever, yeah that, right. There was a pretty clear A-B. But with, with Brexit, yeah. you were voting for a thing, and then it really was not clear what was around the corner. So this feels to me like that. This feels to me like they don't have the details. They don't have— um, because yeah, they don't know they it, it's all i heard I, I was talking to their their representative from their law firm norton rose uh today a bit and paraphrasing what he said you know they want this to be sort of like a soft launch i think they're just sort of basically uh they're they're sort of gauging interest and want to get mm-hmm. a, a lot of numbers and then we'll come up with the details later i guess um which, fair enough, and I guess, you know, players who sign up can always leave, but I, I do worry about these low-information voters. Tennis players are are not very aware of things. They're not people who generally have a whole lot of education formally. They're people who are very self-interested and self-centered in their, in their, in their decision-making for a lot of different things. And so does this make for good collective choices? Even if it's democracy? Like, I don't know. I, I have my doubts. But... Um, at the same time, I, I do understand the principles a lot generally of having a union, of having an independent voice representing players. I I'm, can be very sympathetic to that. Um, mm-hmm. Is this happening for the right reasons? That I'm less sure of. 
So. Yeah, no, and we, we will see as it plays out again. This is a three-hour podcast eventually with all of the details, with the history ingrained in this topic, uh, which we will have to get to another time. But, Ben, thank you for responding on such notice. Thank you for getting in some gloating, by the way, but not too much to where it was overbearing. But you, you deserve a little bit – well, a little bit of gloating because Serena – I mean, it's always interesting, but, like – Conteve uh, did a little bit better, you know. Look, 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 the guys, when you presented the question to me over text, it was players <laughs> to watch. That was the phrasing, right? Serena, fascinating <laughs> to watch. What was happening there? More questions and answers coming out of Cincinnati. Naomi Osaka stopped the whole tournament, the ultimate player to watch. Come on. And the third one, Kennan, eh, that was not great, but it did lead to questions because she did lose early. So I still think those are three super intriguing players. Um, That's fair. Your players. Will you give Conteve a little bit of love? Just a little bit? A sliver? No. No, but I'm, I'm absolutely <laughs> in favor of uh, Mertens, who was the one. You, you, so your picks, people <laughs> sure. didn't hear that episode. You had two picks, and then you were like, then you just threw four in as your last choice, which was a complete <laughs> cop-out. But of those four, the one that I said was the best pick was Mertens. It did turn out to do the That's best. True. So I give myself so, renewed credit from there. <laughs> I was able to pull something useful out of your heaping trash fire. <laughs> Uh, I mean, look, I enjoyed the Sasha Bajin Yastremska exchange on Twitter. That was good. So, that was again, good. a little bit that of That was to watch. That was to watch. Yeah. Yes. That was good. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, then, Ben, as always, thank you for taking the time to chat with us and, you know, expect me to text you in the next 10 minutes. Look, I mean, Alex, I thought that even when I'm not right, I'm still, you know, the best person on this podcast, as we always told me. So, right. And it stands true to this day, Ben. Thank you, as always. Thank you. Hope all of you enjoyed my conversation with Ben Rothenberg. A huge thank you to him for taking the time to join me in the midst of U.S. Open Press Day, in the midst of Western and Southern Final Press Conferences. I know how busy all of us right now are trying to cover this sport, and you know, for him to take 15 minutes out of his day, always appreciate that. So shout out to you, Ben, for taking the time to join us. And remember, Ben joined us for a U.S. Open preview pod as well. So if that's the sort of content you're looking for, you're getting ready for these two weeks in New York. York, you want to understand what you're going to about to see, uh, be sure to go check out all of the Great Shot podcasts we did. Ben, Mark Lucero, Luke Jensen, JC Aragoni, and of course Nina Pantic, all joining me for various topics. Matt Stokowiak, Jamie McDonald for Draw Reveals tomorrow. Uh, be on the lookout for all of that. And of course, as I mentioned, Jamie and I are going to come back on this mini break tomorrow, break down the semifinals and finals from this Western and Southern Open. The reason we're able to do that every day, the support we get from our friends at Midwest Sports and Aerobar. Just go to MidwestSports.com, use that promo code CR15, go to Aerobar.com, use that promo code CRACK15, you'll get 15% off your order. And of course, look good, feel good, play good. That's the Midwest Sports Aerobar combo. We know it will work for you cracked fans. Uh, Again, all of that preview content can be found on our website, CrackRackets.com. This podcast, the Great Shot Podcast, Cracked Interviews and Inside Out Podcasts. Like, rate, subscribe, review, share with your friends. Be sure to go check out our YouTube channel as well, where we already have some draw content, uh, some draw preview content available. Jamie and I, you get to see our smiling faces. The incredible work of our super producers, Max Ligner and Daniel Westoff, who, by the way, have a f- of an editing job to do as always. But, you know, again, we are doing our best. We all have 
have missed tennis so much. We don't want you to miss out on any of the action. You can catch up on all of it by going to our website, crackrackets.com. With that being said, for our wonderful guest, Ben Rothenberg, our super producers, Max Ligner and Daniel Westoff, our friends at Midwest Sports and Aerobar, and all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say, folks. That's the break, and we'll see you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone.